we pray. Amen. I was going to borrow those. Yeah. A yeah. uh, little extra set of eyes never hurt anything. Um, by the way, I set my phone down, but uh, we, we aren't doing the handout notes. So uh, whether you're watching uh, on, online or whether you're here or whether you're in, I, I love the way you referred to that. I was actually in uh, FBC Cloudcroft South. Uh, that's in the basement. Um, uh, went to check out FBC Clockcroft West. Uh, that one, that one still has some room. Yeah. So if you want to go over there, but whether you're here or whether you're watching uh, on uh, streaming, uh, you can get the notes on the YouVersion app. Just go to that. It's that little brown Bible thingy, uh, and our notes are on there. The cool thing about that is that it has our announcements too. So. I uh, just want to make you aware of that because I'm a notes kind of guy. It, it, it's really been kind of killing me not printing out notes to hand to you because uh, it always like encourages me. It, it, it's almost like the quiet Baptist amen when you say something and somebody reaches down to write it. That That's like way cool. So um, anyways, well, you mentioned we're still in Luke, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Luke. This has been so much fun uh, for me to do and and we're going to get to something today that there are maybe two things today uh, that you're going to hear that maybe you haven't thought about it this way before. Um, you already see the title, Rabbi Jesus. So, so I, I want to I broach these two things. I want to read the scripture for you first. But two things um, that, that you, you maybe haven't really heard before or you haven't really thought of before. Now, these aren't new. I usually, uh, I, I go back to... Dr. Corley, who was uh, my Greek professor, he was the head of the, uh, the department, and, uh, and he said, as we were translating from Greek, the book of John, he said, let me caution you, if it's new, it's probably not true. <laughs> so he was telling us, if you come up with a translation of John that's all your own, you probably messed up somewhere. So this isn't really new stuff, it's just stuff that we maybe haven't thought about before. So let me read to you, this is Luke chapter 4. Uh, two verses today. Don't get too excited because you know how I am. Uh, we, we can make a whole message out of two verses. I made um, three weeks out of three verses, I think, uh, the little passage in the baptism. But let me read this to you. It says, and Jesus returned. This is verse 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember, this is right after the temptation. Returned in the power of the Holy Spirit to Galilee and report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So let me just give you the big idea, and then we'll unpack this a little bit, and we'll come back to the big idea. The big idea is this. Are you ready? We are all called to be theologians. Yeah, any, do I have any theologians? I should have asked that. I, I made the mistake one time when I was a, 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 a little newbie a youth minister back in East Texas um, when I was in college. And, and I, I, I asked a trick question, and I said, how many of you were saved by faith? And some of them raised their hands, and I said, no, you weren't. That's probably not what a 19-year-old punk kid should say to a congregation of people who have been walking with the Lord for a long time. I said, you're actually saved by grace. Faith is just the vehicle. So I try not to do that to you today, but... Um, uh, we are all called to be theologians. Now, we're going to come back to that uh, in, in just a bit, but I, I just want to kind of let that begin to, to sink in a little bit. The other thought that, that maybe you haven't really thought through a whole lot is the idea of Jesus being a rabbi. 
Hey, do you ever think about it that way? Jesus being a rabbi. We, we say Jesus was a carpenter. And we almost get it in our minds that Jesus was a carpenter that went around teaching. And that's actually not the case. Let me give you, and, and there's no hard proof. My goodness. Um, theologians disagree uh, uh, kind of uh, about this. Um, but, but let me give you some reasons that, that, that I want us to maybe tweak our thinking a little bit as we go through the rest of the Gospel of Luke and see Jesus as rabbi, not as carpenter turned teacher. Okay? So the first one is this. It's up on, on the screen. Jesus was called rabbi. Now, now I, I, you know, some of the commentaries, they'll say, oh, that was just like teacher. They were just saying teacher. But, but let me uh, uh, pull up those, those verses there. I'm not going to read all those to you. There's, there's two sets of them. Um, all of those are verses in the Gospels where Jesus was called rabbi. In fact, some of them call him rabbi like you might say pastor. So they're using that in place of a name. They're calling him rabbi. Uh, it, it is amazing as we go through this how many times we see that. That, that Jesus, that, that was... It was a little bit different in Jesus' time. It's not like a rabbi now. Uh, I, I can't find anywhere, uh, e- even in extra-biblical uh, ideas or, or writings, where, where Jesus was ordained as a rabbi. Man, I really tried. That would make it easier for me. Um, so I, I don't know of any formal teaching that he had other than, than what most Jewish boys would have gone through. We remember that little scene at the temple when Jesus was 13 where Jesus is in the temple and he's talking with, with, with the, the rabbis, the religious teachers, and they were astounded at the questions that he asked and, and the understanding that he had. My feeling is that probably they took note of him then. Um, I, I would imagine that the religious leaders, uh, the, the teachers, talked to Jesus' parents and said, you've got something special here. And, and, and so Jesus, Jesus, I don't believe, was a typical jewish boy i i believe that they understood especially from that time of jesus understanding his amazing understanding of the word and so i think he probably leaned toward that from the early age that's not saying that he didn't help his father uh, uh in in doing carpentry by the way there wasn't a whole lot of wood around so carpentry was kind of a generic term uh he, he could have very well worked with stones but but that jesus worked with his father that would have been ordinary that would have been normal but, but I think from early on, they recognized that Jesus was an amazing teacher. And that's what rabbi means. But if you read through those, I didn't want didn't to bore you today. Uh, but if you read through those, you'll see that he is addressed as rabbi. So Jesus was called rabbi a lot in Scripture. This wasn't just teacher. It wasn't just like Sunday school teacher kind of, of talk. This was rabbi in a recognized kind of way. So Jesus was called rabbi. The second thing is this. Let me back up just a bit. This wasn't just something that anybody would be called, by the way. When Jesus gets to uh, Matthew 23, he tells his disciples, don't let them call you rabbi. You don't become rabbi because you only have one teacher, is what he's saying. And that's going to be the Holy Spirit. It was him at the time. But, But that wasn't just something that was thrown around specifically in matthew 23 we see that this is a title that that is given and and it's not given lightly so that's the first thing jesus was called 
rabbi, not just in a throw around kind of way, but as a title. A second thing is this, is that Jesus was recognized as a rabbi. So he wasn't just called rabbi, you know, it wasn't just like there's brother so-and-so or there's teacher so-and-so, but he was recognized as a rabbi. Where I see this particularly uh, is in Luke 4.15. It says, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, and and I have a feeling I couldn't really flesh this out, but I have a feeling this was something he was already doing before the temptation and before he began his official ministry. But, but at least here we see that Jesus, as he came out immediately in his ministry, went and didn't just serve in the synagogue. He didn't just read in the synagogue, but Jesus taught in the synagogues. And we see here that, that he went through all of Galilee and, and word about him as a rabbi went out through all of Galilee. He, he was recognized as a rabbi. Does that make sense to you? I could only find one time in Mark where Jesus was called a carpenter, and that was in Nazareth. We're going to see this uh, next week. Uh, you know, a prophet uh, is not without honor except in his hometown. You know, that, that kind of thing. Jesus was in Nazareth, and there was a, wait a minute. We know you. You belong to Joseph and Mary. You're, you're that carpenter guy. That was the only time that I could find Jesus ever referred to as a carpenter. All the rest of the time, he is referred to as teacher, as rabbi. And he was recognized. By the way, have you ever, you ever read, uh, particularly when Jesus is calling the disciples, and, and, and you go through and and, and it, there is a kind of a disconnect there. Jesus is walking along and there's Peter and Andrew and James and John and they're fishing. And Jesus says, follow me. And they like toss their nets, you know, and follow him. It almost seems like a disconnect there. We find out more uh, about the story that they had actually heard of Jesus. Jesus was a well-known rabbi and they had actually heard him preach. So, so word about Jesus went out, word as a rabbi, went out all through Galilee. And Jesus taught in their synagogues. And, and he, he, he taught like nobody else. Jesus' fame as a rabbi was quickly recognized. And then uh, finally, and we'll jump into the second part, that Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, the religious leaders never questioned Jesus as a rabbi you ever thought about that people called him a rabbi he was allowed to teach uh, in the synagogues and and the religious leaders man they were always trying to find something there was even a slur we we saw a slur about jesus parentage Uh, they say we know who our parents are you know Um, so if, if jesus were was not a legitimate rabbi that would have been something they would have pointed out who are you to go around teaching? You're not even a real rabbi. You're just a, a, a wannabe kind of guy. But the religious leaders recognized Jesus as a rabbi. Nicodemus called him rabbi. You, you know the story. This is John chapter 3. And Nicodemus, who was probably a Pharisee, he was in the religious leadership, came to Jesus by night. And, and in, in John chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus was called rabbi and, and this was this was in a personal kind of way 
by Nicodemus. Nicodemus, one of the ruling religious leaders in Jerusalem, called him a rabbi. And so Jesus was recognized as a rabbi. He was called a rabbi. And the religious leaders never, that was one thing that they never refuted about Jesus at all. They tried to catch him, you know, the, the Sadducees, which is so, I, the Bible's so much fun. You know, it's written in Greek, the New Testament is, but the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. The Bible is just so much fun. They came to Jesus and, 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 and they sent a Sadducee, one of the religious leaders, who didn't believe in a resurrection to ask Jesus a question about the resurrection, to try to trap him. They, they sent him, they said, who should pay taxes? And by the way, this is a, a normal discourse that they would have with rabbis. They would ask questions. The rabbi would answer. Then the rabbi would ask a question and they would answer. And you, I'm getting too excited. Wow. Let me get a drink of water here. I'm sorry. Guys, the Bible is so much fun. And we're going to get into that. I can't even get my bottle of water open. But it's got a nice little logo on it. All right. <clears throat> Let me slow down. All right. <laughs> so Jesus was recognized as a rabbi. Nobody saw him as a carpenter. So I want to get back to the big idea. This is Jesus. This is the word made flesh. And he was a teacher. He was a rabbi. I hope, I hope that if you don't have a love for God's word now, that, that you would ask him to give you a love for his word. The Bible is so amazing as we read it. And, and, and I don't know kind of where you are in your walk with the, with the Lord, you, whether you're not a Christian yet, whether you're just kind of checking it out, whether you're a brand new Christian, a Christian for a few years, or, or like me, I... I get to where I kind of hate to say this. I'll, I'll, I'll be talking with some people and I say, yeah, I started ministry as a youth minister in 1987 and I can see the look in their eyes. I wasn't even born yet. <laughs> Maybe that's where you are. You, you've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but I, I really, I, my desire for you is that you develop a love for God's word because it's different. Um, we've been, uh, somehow I found myself in, Three different studies in the same series, uh, one uh, with our young adults, one with our men, and one with our students. But it's all about uh, the historicity of the Bible, um, how we can know who Jesus is really, uh, does God exist, and, and on all these kinds of things. And, and the Bible is absolutely full of history. I've mentioned this to you a lot as Luke provides this incredible detail in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius when Quirinius was governor. You know, this is the first census when Quirinius was governor in Syria. He gives that kind of detail because it's real. It's true. This happened. But, you know, the Bible is so much more than that. God uses his spirit and his word to change us. And, and I'm living proof in, in our community group we're we're going through a, a study called prepared. It's done by Andy Stanley and it's a quick three little uh, uh, study, three session study. But it's talking about be prepared to give an account for the hope that's in you. 
And, and you want to tie that to, to something real. It, it's easy to say, because he's changed my life. And that, that's the last part of, of what I put in there. But, but, but I'm a follower of Jesus after 38 years. I'd love to say I was five when I came to faith in Christ. If I wasn't, I was a little older. I'm a follower of Jesus because he died on the cross for my sin. And after three days, he rose again. Now, this isn't a fairy tale. This isn't wishful thinking. It's something that I hope happened. It's not a myth. It is verifiable in Scripture. We have eyewitness accounts that were written in the first century. Paul says when he writes in Corinthians at one point after the resurrection, Jesus, by the way, it wasn't one of these where the disciples go, oh, you know, Jesus raised from the dead and he went to be the father. You just missed him. Sorry. Dang. You know, he was here just a minute. If you had been just three minutes earlier, it wasn't like that. Jesus was on the earth after the resurrection for six weeks for about 40 days. And he appeared to a lot of people. Paul says at one time, more than 500 at a time. And then Paul adds, and most of them are still alive. In other words, you can ask them. They were still alive when Paul wrote it. So I'm a follower of Jesus because he died on the cross for my sin. He rose again and he changed my life. I wished I could say that it all happened in a moment that there were some things god did some really cool things immediately in my life 38 years later those of you who know me just a little bit know god's still working on me i feel like that little caterpillar song you know but he does it a lot through his word paul says we are transformed by the renewing of our minds and i'm amazed i'm amazed how much God work, God's word still changes me. I mean, I've been reading this thing since 1982. I know. I would love to say I'm younger than I look, but I'd probably, I don't know. Anyways, we won't go there. Someone asked me a lot long ago, is it, is it offensive to ask a guy his age? And I'm like, I used to, I would say no. More recently, I'm like, you know, I really don't want to say <laughs> But we are all called to be theologians. My desire for you is that you have a hunger and a thirst for God's word. But we need to get into this word. I've been saying that a lot lately, but man, do we. Second Timothy, this is Paul writing to Pastor Timothy. Second Timothy 2.15. Paul says this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth what what paul is is giving this charge to timothy and i believe it applies to all of us is you need to know god's word you need to know how to study god's word you need to know what that is listen there's a weird thing that happened in the united states and i don't know when it happened but somehow we got this idea that other people are responsible for things like parents but by the way i'll say up front my wife taught public school for 11 years my youngest daughter is going into early childhood education we are big big public school fans um supporters it's this is the weirdest year in my life for schools but anyways 
totally forgot where I was going with all that. <clears throat> uh, good grief. Help me out. What What was my next thought? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit older. What was that? Thank you. Man, that was just a test, by the way. I totally knew where I was going. I just wanted to see if any of you were paying attention. I was hoping for a text from somebody online, but I'm going to get one now. I know I will. At one point, we relegated or, or we, we gave away our responsibility for our children's instruction. Now, I'm not saying public school's bad or don't do public school. I'm, I'm saying they're a great partner in our kids' education, but we're responsible for that. And, and probably, I don't know when this happened, but about the same time, I think we said, look, somebody texted me. Thank you, sweetie. Parents have roles. Um, I don't know what that means. Um, I am so easily distracted. Um, thank you. <laughs> so so we, we gave away our, our instruction that the responsibility of teaching our children to the schools at the same time we gave away the spiritual instruction of our children to churches i don't know when this happened i just figured out that it happened someday you know that we send our, our kids to public school so they can learn about you know the things you know reading writing and arithmetic we used to say um now it's common course so it's all the same thing but anyways i get get distracted and then we send them off to sunday school and church to learn about god we parents and, and grandparents teach these things to your children and your children's children is what the, the Bible says, Deuteronomy 6. We parents and grandparents have the responsibility of teaching our children. And, and, and somehow, I think whenever we did that, we, 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 we gave away the responsibility instead of seeing it as a partnership with the schools, we gave away our spiritual responsibility instead of seeing it as a partnership with the churches and and then i I think somehow we said okay well i don't need to know that i don't need to know science i don't need to know math they changed it by the way in case you didn't know that i didn't think that was possible Uh, i don't need to know history i don't need to know those things the teachers know those things and they'll teach the kids they send homework home when we try to figure it out I, i don't need to know theology that's pastors are supposed to know that now, I send them to church so that they can learn of the things of God. Let me tell you, guys, you can't find that division of responsibility anywhere in Scripture. Parents are responsible. Now, we can engage public schools or private schools, or some of, some of us homeschool. We can engage other people to help us in that, but we still bear the responsibility. We hopefully partner together with the church for, for spiritual teaching and, and learning but we still bear the responsibility. So, so let me just tell you, we are all called to be theologians. Every single one of us. Even this little guy right there. <laughs> You're called to be a theologian. Even that little bitty one way back in the back. He's, he's called to be a theologian. And, and, and so I, I think what we need to do is maybe shift our thinking just a little Instead of saying that's for pastors or, you know, that's for theologians, um, that, that we're all called. Let me just tell you, theology just means a study of God. 
You know that, right? Biology is the study of life. Bios is life. Ology means it's from logos, words about life. Words about God is theology. It just means a study of God. And the theologian is simply somebody who studies God. Isn't that us? Don't, don't we study God? Shouldn't we? In fact, one of the cool things that we have as Christians is that God has revealed himself in his word. Isn't that neat? We don't have to wonder what's God like. I don't have to say, Angela, what do you think God's like? Well, I don't know. You know, Angela wouldn't say that. He's smarter than that. Um, he'd say, you're the pastor. You're supposed to know. <laughs> we, we don't have to wonder. God has revealed himself to us in his word, beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, all the way through. And then the cool thing is, God has shown, Jesus said in John chapter 1, I came to show you the Father. We, we actually got to see it lived out, God in the flesh. And all of that is recorded for us in Scripture. If there's anything we should be studying, if there's anything we should be trying to become an expert on, wouldn't it be the character and nature of God? Wouldn't it be the things that He said in His Word? The answer is yes. <laughs> Just so you know. Sometimes I ask rhetorical questions you don't, you don't know. I, I, I probably got one here. So let me see what they... Uh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I, I probably should not do that. I'm going to start getting lots of texts now. Let me encourage you. Let me challenge you. Let me, let me give you a charge. Whenever I do a wedding, I give a charge to the couples and a charge to the congregation, those family and friends who've come to witness the marriage. Let me charge you to study the Word of God. Study. Now, now we have devotions. Uh, we, we read those. Hopefully you're having a quiet time. That's a great way to start, where we just kind of read and contemplate and meditate on that, let that... Go with us through through the day. But let me encourage you to study the word of God as if your job was to be a theologian. To study it that way. Some of you are like, I don't even know where to start with that. Do, do we have a class? <laughs> we might someday. That that would be a fun that would be a fun thing to do. But let me give you three ways, and, and I'll close with this. Three ways. That you can study the word. And I'll be glad. You catch me any time after this. I'll be glad to help you with some other things. One is you can study the word alone. Did you know that? You don't have to go to Sunday school. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't even have to go to do a religious studies course in college. You can study the word of God alone. Let me tell you, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And that's always where you should start. Let God's word comment on itself. And, and now you may have to grab a little tool called a concordance or cross references uh, with this where you can, you can get the, the cross references. But when you read about something in scripture, go and see where else scripture talks about that. That is the best way to do that. 
That's always where you ought to start. Study it for yourself. Jesus said, we just saw last week, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Get into God's word like it was your bread, like it was the very sustenance of life for you. Study it. Some of you are like, I don't know. By the way, remember if it's new, it's probably not true. If you come up with a whole new theology, you ought to check that out. So that brings us to the second way. You can study the word of God by using tools, not a hammer. Some of you immediately went to power tools, I know. Um, but, but here's some tools that you can use. One is a good Bible study curriculum. There are people who write great Bible studies. In fact, um, uh, do this. We have a, a digital connection card. It's on our Facebook page. It's on our website. It's like right on the first thing when you go on our website right now. Um, our digital connection card. If you need uh, some good Bible study curriculum, uh, our church subscribes to uh, it's a video Bible study service. There's over 10,000 Bible studies. It's called Right Now Media. So here's what I want you to do. If you're not subscribed to that, then you fill out that digital connection card where it says comments or questions. You write, sign me up for Right Now Media, and then you'll get an invitation uh, and email to do that tons now i don't i i can't say that i've looked at all those and have have uh uh checked out all of their theology if you have questions about those but there are tons of those that's what we're doing right now with our men and with our young adults and with our students we're, we're using stuff actually two of those are on amazon prime of all things um but but we use right now media a whole lot but use a bible study curriculum you don't have to make it up yourself some tools some good tools or finding some good, solid person who's written a Bible study and, and going through that. A- another great tool are commentaries. That those you have to be a little bit more discerning about. Find somebody that's solid. Find someone that, that's well-known. But I would say never just look at one. Always look at several. Here's what you're going to find sometimes. When you're using commentaries, you're going to get to a portion of Scripture and you're going to say, man, I have no idea what that means. And then you're going to pull out five commentaries, and after you read them, you're going to say, they have no idea what that means. <laughs> you're going to get like five different views. Um, Bob Utley, or Robert U-T-L-E-Y, he was a professor at uh, East Texas Baptist University, has put out a great commentary series. One of the things I love about him is when he gets to those, he'll basically say, I don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know. But those are good commentaries. Let, you don't have to go and, and do an archaeological dig yourself. There are people who've done that. So, so utilize those. Use those as tools. After you've studied the Bible and see what the Bible says about itself, then, then look and see what other smart people have said about that particular passage. And then the third one, and this is like one of my favorite things, use Bible study programs. And I'm not talking about a one, two, three, four step program. I I mean, an actual computer program. Let me give you one. Uh, This is free. There are some things you can buy if you want on there, but it's free. It's e-sword.net. E-sword.net. That one is free. I've got got some expensive Bible study programs. You know the one I use the most? It's Uh, e-sword. That just works for me. But use Bible study programs so that you can look. What does that Greek word mean? I, 
if I really worked at it again, I might be able to pick up my Greek New Testament and read some from there. But that's not, when I tell you the Greek word means this, I'm looking at the tools. So use those things. So, so use Bible study tools. Use those to help you dig into it and get into it. And then finally, study the word in groups. There's just something about sitting with other believers and studying the word of God together. And you can use that with a curriculum. You can use it with the commentaries and with all the other tools. But something about a good friend of mine told me a long time ago that theology is best done in groups, in community. Because if I go off all on my own for 10 years, I could get pretty weird. I could come up with some whack theology. You know what that means? I I don't. I'm going to go look that up. But I can come up with some weird stuff. We all could. Do it together. And and that's just one thing. It helps keep us from getting weird, getting off. But but it also encourages. That's what we're called to do in Hebrews 10.25. Encourage one another. And all the more as the day approaches. That we study the word of God together. I am amazed that, that as we do that in community, that... Well, I, I skipped through a bunch right there. So one is organized Bible study groups. We have, good grief, uh, we're talking on our morning devotion. We have eight ongoing Bible studies right now in the life of our church, and that includes our children uh, and our youth. Eight ongoing Bible studies. That's pretty cool. Jump into an organized Bible study. Now, I don't mean organized like you might get there and they might not be organized. I just mean one that the church is doing. We have two men's Bible studies, women's Bible study, a young adult Bible study, a student Bible study, uh, um, a children's Bible study. You probably don't want to get in on that one unless you want to help. But but get plugged in. Do it in organized Bible study. That's cool. There's some accountability that happens there. I love that. Um, on, On Tuesday nights, the men's Bible study, sometimes I'm really tired, but I can't miss because they're all going to be after me if I do. Then, then we have community groups, and, and, and those are cool. Those are, 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 are groups that really the primary focus is community with one another, but we do Bible study there too, and it's just neat. I'm amazed a lot of times the perspective that we get from, from people. I mean, I've been in this for a long time, and, and sometimes somebody will say something, I'm like, I never thought of it that way before. God uses that person, and they might have never even been to college, but God just, the Holy Spirit gives them that insight. Isn't that cool? I don't just have the Holy Spirit in me. When we're in a group, I've got the Holy Spirit in me, and in you, and in you, and in you, and He speaks, and He works in all of us. Do, do it in community groups. And, and then, you might say, man, I, 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 I just can't work all that in. Pick a friend or two. <laughs> Do Bible study with friends. One of the coolest things, man, I, I can't tell you over the years, uh, get a good brother in Christ and, and he and I just duke it out in God's word. I mean, it's really cool that that idea of iron sharpens iron. Just just pick a friend or two. And, you know, it looks more like discipleship when we do it that way. But we're just studying God's word together. Let me encourage you. To think of yourself as a theologian, not that you you know all the answers, because trust me, there is not one of those guys around. Jesus was the only one, and and he's coming back someday. <laughs> someday, brother, we say, come Lord Jesus, 
come soon. But, but being a theologian doesn't mean you have all the answers. Being a theologian is that you've made it your practice to study God and His Word. And there is something about His Word that God uses that in every circumstance in our life, in every season of our life, Maybe you've got like a little book of promises that sometimes you just need to flip back through. Uh, if you journal, that is amazing. Journaling is great. You can look, sometimes just looking two years back and you're going, wow, I forgot that God did that in my life. We are living in the strangest time, I think, at least in the history of America. And, and brother, I'm, I'm with you. Satan loves, you remember we talked, I think it was just last week, that, that he departed from Jesus after the temptation until an opportune time, that he is like the roaring lion that's always prowling around, looking for that moment when you're weak, looking for the moment when you're alone, looking for the moment when you're discouraged. And, and in those times, Satan loves to drive the little wedge between you and God and, and loves to get you away. I, I would just tell you, it's those times the most that we need to dive into God's word with prayer. That we, we jump into God's word. And, and here's the way that, that I kind of look at it. Did you remember in Jesus' ministry, he had some enormous crowds. Remember at one point he fed 5,000 men plus the women and children. I think conservatively you can say 15,000 people. That's a pretty good Sunday, you know? <laughs> Fed them with a few loaves and fishes from the little boy. Jesus, after that particularly, had huge crowds that would follow him around. And so Jesus started getting a little bit tough in some of the things he said. And man, these crowds started going away in droves. Do you remember that in John? And, and Jesus at one point gets the 12 together and he says... And, and I don't know, you know, Jesus experienced everything that we experienced. I don't know if, if there was a little bit of discouragement there with Jesus. That being discouraged isn't a sin, by the way. We're all there sometimes. I don't know if it was that, or I don't know if this was just kind of checking out the disciples or helping them to know where they were. But you remember, Jesus gathered them together, and he says, are you guys going to leave too? Do you remember that? I, I try not to read too much in Scripture, but... I can almost imagine Jesus' eyes tearing up just a tad. Are, are you gonna you gonna leave too? Peter said something that that really makes me want to hang on to God's word. Peter said, and, and I can almost imagine I, I, I the Bible just really comes alive when I read it, and 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 so I can I can just imagine Peter almost with some desperation in his voice, Lord, to whom would we go? We don't have anywhere else to go. You are it. You have the words of eternal life. You're all we got. You're it. And that just reminds me, there are times when things are hard. I get tired. I get discouraged. Man, sometimes the burden is, is more than I can carry 
And, and I think of Peter's words, to who else would we go? Whom else? <laughs> Where else would we go, Jesus? You've got the words of eternal life. And then I hear the words of our Savior ringing in my ears. Larry, come, come to me. I know you're weak. I know you're heavy laden. I know the burden that you're carrying. Come here. Give it to me. L let me take that and, and hear it. Tell you what. You carry mine because I've already done it all for you. And my burden is easy. And my load is light. L let me encourage you this morning to run to Jesus. To run to God in his word. And, and man, I know sometimes it's, it's tough. So let, let me invite you this morning as we enter this time of invitation. I just want to give you the same invitation Jesus gave. Would you just come to him? The worship team is going to come up in, in just a minute. And, and, and I don't know, maybe you just want to come and pray. No. Just come to the altar and pray. And, and lay those burdens down to him. Sometimes we have questions and we just don't have the answers. You know what? Just give them to him. He might not give you an answer, but he'll take that burden away from you. Sometimes we say, Lord, I, I can't go another step. And I think in that moment, Jesus says, that's all right. I'll carry you. <laughs> I'll carry you. You don't have to carry that. Let me pray, and then you respond as the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. You can do that where you are. You can come and pray here at the altar if you just want to turn around and kneel at the chair where you are. But, but the important thing is whether, whether you're at home, uh, whether you're in one of our overflows, or whether you're here, would, would you not leave here today until you just lay it down at Jesus? And maybe today, as you've heard me talking about God's word and the hunger and the desire for God's word, you might be saying, you know what? I don't have that, but I want it. You can't go wrong when you ask your heavenly father for things that he wants you to have. Do you know that? <laughs> Kids, try this, okay? When you go home today, say, can I have some broccoli? When you ask your heavenly father things that you know he wants you to have, you know he's going to give them to you. If you say, God, would you give me a hunger and a desire for your word? He's going to do that. God, would you make your word come alive to me? He'll do that. Lord, would you take your word and would you apply it to my heart and change me? He'll do that. Let me pray and then you respond. Father, you're amazing in your love for us. Lord, there's, there's never a time that we go to you, God, that you're not there. there there's never anything we can do that would, that would make you stop loving us because, Father, there's nothing we did that made you start loving us. You just choose to. And we thank you for that. God, I know that there's some people that are here today that have some heavy burdens. God, would you, would you just give us the courage and a boldness just to lay those down at your feet? And Jesus, would you, as you take our burdens from us, give us your yoke and, and your burden because your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Lord, would you lift our hearts this morning as we trust in you. Father, if there's someone who's never put their faith and hope and trust in Christ, would you draw them to you this morning? 
Holy Spirit, would you do the work that you do in illuminating their eyes? Help them to see, Lord, their need for Christ because of their sin and the provision that you've made for them through Jesus on the cross. And maybe today would be the day that they say, I don't know where this leads. I don't know everything that's involved, but Jesus, I want to start following you today and trust in him for their salvation. Jesus, we need you and we need you desperately. Thank you that you're always here. For it's in Jesus' amazing name we pray. Amen.